Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Tom Guinan, and I'd like to welcome you to the May 29th episode of the bull bear banter. Cheyenne Dunham is joining me and will now recap the corn and soybean markets for the week. Cheyenne? July corn closed down a penny and three quarters on Friday at 325 and three quarters, which was actually up seven and a quarter from last Friday's close. December corn closed down a penny and a half at 338 and three quarters on Friday, but that's actually six cents higher for our week on week. Looking at soybeans, July lost six and a quarter for the day, closing at 840 and three quarters, which was up seven and a half from last Friday's close. And finally, November soybeans closed down four and a quarter cent at 851 and three quarters, which was up seven cents for the week. In this holiday shortened week, the big story is that corn has a pulse. On Thursday, July corn futures climbed 10 cents higher at one point. My first indication of Thursday having the potential to be a big day was two different stories talking about how the price of oats had rallied lately. They both reminded me of the old grain trader quip, oats knows, meaning that as go oats, oftentimes so goes corn. And a look back at the July oat chart shows an impressive run since the middle of March when they bottomed out around 261 and by the end of Thursday had climbed more than 25% or up almost 67 cents. But then I have to remind myself of the other old grain trader quip. There are only really two or three people that trade oats in Chicago. Indeed, the volume Thursday was 558 contracts. Now, compare that to July corn futures, where the Thursday volume was almost 400,000 contracts. Regardless, I think we'd all like to see something close to a 25% rebound. But again, that is just one point of data. The other part that got corn moving was wheat rallying lately. Looking at the Chicago July wheat chart really reminds me of a roller coaster ride. Like oats, July wheat put in a low in mid-March around 4.95, but then a week later had climbed more than 75 cents or about 15%. Then a few bumps and bruises later, last week it traded below that mid-March level and have since climbed about 5% or 25 cents through Thursday on talk of extreme heat in Kansas and the Oklahoma-Texas panhandle next week, as well as production issues in the Black Sea region. Corn, in and of itself, also had some positive inputs early Thursday. We'll get into the details later, but the main positive was the EIA report showing another increase in ethanol production and a decrease in stocks. So whatever started that mini rally in corn on Thursday, it also triggered some short covering by managed money funds. One estimate was that they bought in as much as 15,000 contracts. If that is the correct number, they're probably still more than 230,000 contracts short. I suppose with the forecast changing to warmer and drier, it might be prudent to take a few chips off the table. With that, let's move on to the bull bear factors. For bull factors on corn, as mentioned, the EIA report was released on Thursday. Ethanol production increased for the fifth week in a row, climbing to 218 million gallons last week, which was up from 195 million. Stocks also declined by 19 million gallons to 973 million. This equates to a drop of around 190 million gallons in that same five-week period. U.S. corn exports last week declined slightly from the previous week, but at 43 million bushels, it was in line with expectations. With only three months left in the marketing year and the end in sight, it will be important to see these weekly reports remain above that 40 million bushel mark in order to hit the USDA's projection for the year. 
And finally, July crude oil bottomed out at $17.27 per barrel near the end of April. They have since climbed about $17. For those of you that have ever studied charts much, there is a gap about $3 higher between $37.64 and $41.88. Chart analysts will tell you that gaps will eventually fill, but what they don't tell you and can't tell you is when that will happen. It could be next week, next month, or even next year, but they're correct. Eventually, the gaps will fill. We'll keep an eye on that, and if or when gasoline demand spikes again, if we can fill that gap, it would be a good thing for ethanol prices and subsequently our corn prices. Well, on the bare side for corn, planting progress was estimated at 88% nationally, up from the 55% at this time last year, and above the five-year average of 82%. For Iowa, the numbers are now 97% planted versus 74% last year and 91% on average. Nebraska is now 97% complete and Minnesota is 98% planted. Illinois at 89% and Indiana at 80% are both above last year and their five-year averages. Think about where these numbers would be if we weren't able to get much done during April and we were getting these same rains in May. Clearly, being planted early this year is a good thing but it also keeps a lid on any upside price potential. As Cheyenne mentioned the increased ethanol production details, I couldn't help but think that the USDA projection of 4.95 billion bushels of corn use is still too high. I think we'll eventually see an adjustment at some point of maybe 100 to 150 million bushels, but I also think most traders have that priced in already. We'll see what they do with their June 11th report. While gasoline demand increased modestly last week, it was still below that spike we saw two weeks earlier and more than 20% below the demand from the same time last year. With all the people that have been working from home the past few months, I have to wonder how many will be working full-time every day in an office in the future. Some companies have already gone to using an A crew and a B crew working opposite weeks in an office. Will that be the new norm? If so, that's not going to increase gasoline or ethanol demand back to previous levels anytime soon. Looking at bull factors on soybeans, U.S. soybean sales last week continued to hit the estimates of traders, coming in around 31 million bushels. We've also heard of some sales being done in the past few days that will be officially reported next week. It sounds like China has bought some old and new crop this week, and Unknown has also bought more this week. So we're pretty slim on bull factors for beans this week. So I may be stretching this one, but the National Grain and Oil Information Center in China reported soybean crush last week at 2.1 million metric tons, which was up 190,000 for the week on week and a weekly record for the nation. I'm saying this because we've been concerned about the long-term effects of African swine fever on China's soybean demand, so I'm putting this in the long-term bull column. As far as the bear factors for soybeans, Export shipments last week at 12.2 billion bushels slipped below the previous week and are now the lowest in seven weeks and are also the second lowest for the marketing year right behind the previous week's number. We still need to average more than 21 million per week to reach the USDA's projection for the year and we've only got three months left. In other potentially bearish news for soybeans, the president held a news conference at 1 o'clock central time Friday. The main item discussed that impacts grain prices revolves around Hong Kong and that the administration will start to eliminate policy exemptions that give Hong Kong special treatment because they are no longer autonomous with regard to Chinese policies. We'll see how this plays out next week, but the main thing is that relations with China are not getting any better. Many are wondering how that impacts phase one agreements. 
On our what to watch for in upcoming events, our next WASDI report is going to be out on June 11th, and our next major holiday is July 4th, which is only five weeks away. And now for Tom's take. As I was thinking about that wheat chart earlier, I thought about all of the various roller coaster rides I've been on in my life. I mean actual roller coaster rides. I'm generally not a big fan of roller coaster rides, but I can remember being on several. I don't remember very many starting at the top, but I do think the one at Disney World that they call Space Mountain does. My girls convinced me to go on that with them. That is really the only one I can remember starting up high and then falling and looping around up and down. I also remember feeling disoriented because it was in the dark. And then, when it was over, I was the first one to say, let's go again. But as I've thought about roller coaster rides, I realize that they all have one thing in common. They all end at the bottom. Now I'm not saying that this corn market roller coaster ride is destined to finish at the bottom, but I do believe we should be rewarding any rallies we see. We bought quite a bit of corn on Thursday, at least in relationship to the past three months. But in the scheme of things, it really wasn't that much compared to some of the other really big days we've had. It feels like most people are expecting a fairly decent rally at some point in the next 30 days. I feel differently about that. I've shared some of that previously with you, but basically I expect a large corn crop, especially in Iowa. And as we get closer to pollination, I think most farmers will realize that too. Then many of them will also realize they need to move corn to town to get ready for harvest. I'd rather see those bushels moved in June instead of waiting for July and August, when all of your neighbors will be moving their corn too. So I want to issue a challenge to anyone that has unsold corn left in a bin. We're trying to get some bushels to move during June. We need to load some trains and we want to see some more bushels come in. Just work with your local GMA. Negotiate with them. We've given them a little more latitude until we reach our goals for June. All we're asking is that you sell us 5,000 bushels for delivery during the month of June. Then let's compare the price you sold to the price at the end of June. Just give us a shot. That's all we're asking. Contact your local GMA and ask them about the 5,000 bushel challenge. Thanks. In conclusion, we'd like to thank you for joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or just drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is, bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Mm-hmm.